0: looking at us through a rifle scope was concerned or wasn't informed about our tour group being there or whatever and literally within a minute there was an idf vehicle it goes
1: back to that case that people often cite do you leave your door open at night it's
0: not because you hate the people outside it's because you love the people inside
1: so matt some of the staff of the Immigration Reform Law Institute, including yourself, went on a little trip recently, and I understand you got a lot of education out of it, a lot of information we want to pass along. Tell us about it.
0: Uh, we did. We went on a, a tour of uh, Israel's border walls, uh, along with uh, Tom Homan, who is a fellow here at the Immigration Reform Law Institute and was the uh, prior acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, so it was uh, interesting was interesting to see how a country that takes border security seriously does all of this.
1: So who was conducting the tour? Who was giving you the information?
0: So we were along with uh, members of the Israel Defense Forces, which is the catch-all name for the Israeli military, uh, but also the uh, Israeli equivalent to the Border Patrol is called MAGAV, it's the Israel Border Police, and they come under the IDF umbrella as well.
1: So give us a little background. Obviously, Israel is a much smaller country than the United States, the population is a lot lower. But what are their border security needs? And how how do they differ from ours? And how are they similar?
0: Uh, There's a surprising amount of uh, similarities. Uh, in the, the issues that they're forced to confront, but there's also a surprising number of similarities between the terrain that they're dealing with. Uh, so Israel has uh, borders with uh, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which uh, until recently came under the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority recently lost control of the Gaza Strip in a, a set of elections. Uh, there's a border with Egypt, a border with Jordan, a border with Syria, and a border with Lebanon as well. And almost... Uh, all of those borders are entirely fenced at this point with a, a model of border wall that's very similar to what Donald Trump uh, started building in the United States.
1: Now, I was reading some of the notes on this. Tell us about the different kinds of walls that are utilized, because if I understand it correctly, they, there's different kinds and they utilize different walls for different purposes at along different points of the border.
0: So, Border walls throughout the world fall into two main categories. There's what they call levee wall, uh, and then there's metal mesh fencing. There's also pedestrian fencing. Pedestrian fencing is kind of like chicken wire. It's more of a a, a crowd control, uh, access control kind of thing, like within a port of entry. But for walls that are intended to block people, uh, the two big models are are metal mesh fencing uh, and concrete walls. So Israel uses a combination of these concrete slats that sort of slide together almost like Legos, uh, topped with sensors, cameras, and in some cases with metal mesh fencing uh, or with barbed wire and an overhang to prevent them from being scaled. They also use a lot of metal mesh fencing, which is strung between steel posts. But when I say metal mesh, this isn't like your average chain link fence. This is welded metal mesh, like the kind of stuff you would see surrounding a correctional facility or some kind of secure government facility. And one of the interesting things they do is they use uh, motion, sound, and other sensors, uh, as well as cameras. And one of the major concerns with the border wall in the southwest in the United States was being able to see through the wall and see who was coming toward it. Uh, which is why the Trump administration decided to build steel bollard walls with uh, concrete um, in some places as the foundation, in some places as, as the upper portion of the wall. Um, the Australians don't worry so much about that. Uh, most of their fences and, and of course the walls are hard to see through, but they have observation towers uh, along a patrol road all along these, these border walls. Um, and it, It's it's interesting because, you know, we constantly hear this refrain that walls don't work. And yet it's 100% obvious when you see them in action in Israel that they do work.
1: And tell me how, you know, we all know that's a very volatile part of the world. There's a lot of animosity between the, the countries. T- tell us a little bit more about the effectiveness of it. How many people are they trying to encroach into their country on a given period of time, and, and how effective is it?
0: Well, so a perfect example is the uh, Egyptian border, which is uh, in many ways similar to the U.S. Uh, southern border with Mexico. It's uh, it's even the same type of terrain. I mean, driving around there, you'd swear that you were in New Mexico or Arizona. And so the Israeli government has put up a, a huge uh, metal mesh fence strung between steel posts, and it has sensors on both sides of it. The Egyptian government cooperated uh, in this endeavor, and Israel used to get about 10,000 African migrants a year that would sneak over the border with Egypt, and that's been reduced to less than three dozen by the presence of this wall.
1: Now, what would you say to critics who would say, well, that's fine for Israel. They're, what are they, like, barely the size of New Jersey or something. That wouldn't work here because it's a much larger border. There's more people trying to get in. They have the cartels involved here. What would be your response to that?
0: Well... My response to that is people should go down into the Hezbollah tunnel that went 225 feet underground and was about a mile long and that we visited with the IDF. Uh, the IDF found this tunnel and they thought that nobody would believe the reality of this thing. So they kept it as a museum and they escorted people down on tours and it's amazing. It's a bunch of guys from Hezbollah in Lebanon did this with concrete cord drills like you buy at Home Depot took them five years they carved a staircase out of limestone up and down into this tunnel and uh, the whole thing was equipped with uh, telephones so they could communicate with each other as well as electric lights Um, so clearly Israel is dealing with very similar issues uh, to those that we're dealing with we have problems with the cartels digging tunnels um, The the difference in Israel is that some of their neighbors have recently been at war with them, and that's not a situation that we have, but it's interesting because Israel's biggest problems have not been with invasion from the neighbors that are capable of invading them. It's over time Uh, as they have become more effective at dealing with the terrorist groups, the terrorist groups have have morphed into transnational criminal gangs. And so believe it or not, the Israelis are dealing with a lot of crime coming over their borders. They're dealing with a lot of alien smuggling. And so, you know, in some ways it is a slightly different uh, situation. Uh, But in other ways, it's almost identical to the situation that we're dealing with in the United States. And the fact is that... Israel's walls have kept out terrorists, they've kept out foreign intelligence operatives, but they've also kept out criminals. Uh, they have, uh, on, particularly on the southern border with Egypt, a problem with Bedouin criminal gangs that act just like the coyotes that bring people from Mexico. So you hook up with these gangs in, uh, in Egypt, you pay them a fee, and they smuggle you over the border. That is, until Israel put up the, the wall, and that brought all of that virtually to a stop.
1: Did they tell you, did the IDF tour guides tell you anything about, um, are, are there efforts to dig under the fences or climb over them? What, what do they encounter as far as response from the people trying to get in?
0: Yeah, there's constant efforts to tunnel under, to dig under the, uh, the fences and border walls. Uh, that's why the tunnel that we went into exists. So uh, the IDF has a, a tunnel unit. It's uh, part of their military engineers. We have one. It's part of the Border Patrol. And uh, they seek out these tunnels and then destroy them when they find them. However, it, the tunneling was a big problem in Gaza because the, uh, the soil there is very sandy and relatively soft. And so they had tunnels that were literally big enough to be able to drive a truck through there. It's a little tougher in Lebanon because it, it's mountainous and most of the uh, terrain sits on a bedrock base. Um, but the fact is that they've successfully overcome most of these problems by one, building a deep foundation down under the walls Um, So there's a portion of the wall that goes underground. uh, But they also have done things like embed seismic sensors to pick up earthquakes uh, into the ground so that if people are using explosives or heavy cutting equipment underground, it triggers these sensors and they get an indication as to where they should be looking for the tunnels. It's really quite remarkable.
1: In addition to the overarching lesson that you came away with that Wall's work, Are are there technical specific things that you saw being done over there that we should be utilizing here?
0: Yes, I think the sensors are important, um, but they only work in conjunction with a physical barrier. We have sensors all over the border, but the Border Patrol has to catch these people, once they pass the sensors. And if the nearest Border Patrol agent is 50, 60 miles away, then what happens is you have illegal aliens who have wandered over the border and are now out in the wilderness scrubland. Israel takes a different approach. They have sensors ahead of the walls so they know who's coming to them. Um, and they have focused on only having people cross the border at controlled checkpoints. So it, it was interesting seeing how they use the combination of a old fashioned wall and technology. Uh, the other thing I think that was readily apparent is Israelis all across the political spectrum take border control seriously. And so this is a non-issue. Uh, it, it's not a left issue or a right issue. It's just something where if the IDF goes to the Knesset, Israel's parliament, and says, hey, we need X because this is imperative to securing our borders, 99% of the time they get exactly what they ask for. Here, we seem to have a split uh, between people, both Democrat and Republican, who take border control seriously. Um, but there also is another group of people who are both Democrats and Republicans who think that open borders are somehow healthy uh, to a nation and, and to its economy.
1: So are you telling us that there's no Israeli version of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wailing in a parking lot about how horribly they're uh, treating people trying to come in illegally?
0: No, the, there doesn't appear to be based on what we saw. But I think the other side of this is uh, Israel often gets portrayed the media as being inhumane and extremely rough on uh, people trying to cross the border, uh, especially people who may be coming from from the West Bank or from certain countries. Um, that's really not the case. Uh, They have a number of really phenomenal border control checkpoints. They're set up to be very high efficiency, but also to provide a very high level of security. And they do background checks. They use everything from sniffer dogs to sensors to make sure that people don't have explosives. And uh, one of the checkpoints uh, that we uh, visited had like a, a, a bus station type building on it put me in mind of the uh, the bus terminal in new york city and uh, 42nd street and uh, this whole thing was designed to get people in and out of the country easily and so uh, there's yes israel has put up border barriers but it, in some ways that has freed up their security staff to focus on the process of getting people into the country more quickly and more easily. And when we were there and saw this in action, we did not see uh, things like the kind of backups that you regularly get at like, uh, you know, the Juarez crossing point uh, over the border with Mexico.
1: Now, what did your experience there tell you as far as you'll hear these anti-borders activists in America saying things like uh, a physical wall is a waste of money. What we really need and all we need is a smart border, meaning complete reliance on the technology you were kind of referring to, but not necessarily a wall. What's, what's your response to that?
0: Well, uh, I'll, I'll cite a little story. So we were with uh, a gentleman named Danny Tirza, who was a colonel in the Israeli Army. He uh, worked for their uh, their general staff, Uh, in the Logistics and Planning Division. He was expert on cartography and maps, so they put him in charge of building the uh, separation barrier around Jerusalem, uh, which is the border wall that that separates Jerusalem from the West Bank. Uh, Fascinating individual to to meet. Um, At one point, he was showing us a place where an Israeli highway crossed nearby a Palestinian village, and they had a problem with snipers shooting at cars on the road. So they built a barrier that goes to the highway and then equipped it with a watchtower and with a control room for sensors near the highway. Well, one of our staff members, other staff members and I were uh, doing filming a video there that we're gonna use for some of our content. And the person up in the tower who was looking at us through a rifle scope, uh, apparently was concerned or wasn't informed about our tour group being there or whatever and literally within a minute there was an IDF vehicle pulled out, uh, pulled up excuse me, with four very heavily armed soldiers and checked the situation out and they weren't menacing or anything when they saw who it was, there was Colonel Tirza and a, a, a tour group that he was escorting um, you know, they, they said okay, no threat and quickly went away um, so uh, you know, I think it's important that we acknowledge the fact that low-tech barriers like walls work. They are a deterrent. However, when you marry them with excellent technology and with the appropriate number of staff people, then you have a really effective border. Our problem on the border now is that we may have two border patrol agents in an area that's like you know, 65, 75 square miles, and they're running around helter-skelter trying to be reactive, rather than proactive and I think what the combination of walls and technology that the IDF is using permits them to do is to be proactive so when a threat is coming they are aware of it and they can respond accordingly and they know for a fact that there is a physical barrier on the border that is going to serve as a deterrent. And these things are are built intentionally to be difficult to get past. They have overhangs and razor wires so you can't climb them. There's a portion of the foundation that goes, you know, sometimes 16, 20, 30 feet underground. Um, And in a lot of cases, there are IDF soldiers uh, in a tower um, who are in contact with people who are mobile so that they can say to them, hey, we see somebody approaching, you need to go over there and, and deal with it. And it's uh, it, it's remarkable how well the system works when everybody's on the same page agreeing about it and then you put it into place to try and implement it with a plan.
1: It, it sounds like uh, um, th- th- they've created sort of a, a binary choice, either... A virtual wall with technology only, or a physical wall, and it, it goes back to that case that people often cite. Do you leave your door open at night? It sounds like it's saying, "Well, you don't need your door. You don't need a door on your house because you've got a security camera." Would would, would most people want to do that? Just leave no door on their house, and but hey, we got a security camera, so we're okay. You want both, right?
0: Right, exactly. I mean, the the people who make the argument that all we need is a high-tech virtual wall don't know what they're talking about. They don't have any experience in border enforcement. And I, I think there's another key point to that. Yeah, you do have a door on your house. And you lock your door. And it's not because you hate the people outside. It's because you love the people inside. I think that's been very much the case in the way that Israel has constructed the walls, uh, the very first one was put up because of terrorist suicide bombings, but what Israel noticed uh, was as soon as they built the barrier, there was a drop in crime, and I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a, a crime-terror nexus. A lot of terrorist organizations, and this is going back to like the IRA in, uh, in Ireland in the 1920s, figured out, hey... We need money to buy guns, bombs, and and illicit equipment to try and overthrow a government or battle with an adversary. We need a way to pay for that. So one of the ways terrorist groups pay for the things they need to engage in terrorism is they start sidelines in various criminal enterprises. And so one thing that the IDF repeatedly emphasized to us is that while most of the barriers were initially built with prohibiting terrorism and prohibiting military intervention from neighbors, the, the reality of it was that it, it proved to be a real effective deterrent to cross-border crime, to smuggling of drugs, cigarettes, uh, gasoline, all of those kind of things. Um, I think another interesting point though is that I- I- in a way this has made life much safer uh, for the people living in the West Bank and Gaza because when they got up to no good in the past, the Israeli army would have no choice but to go in and conduct operations to root out the troublemakers, uh, You know, which put Israeli soldiers in harm's way, put people in those communities in harm's way. Uh, once these barriers went up, it has reduced the level of terrorist activity to the point where Israel doesn't have to do these kinds of operations anymore. And so the security situation has actually gotten better for the Palestinians that just want to live their daily life and that aren't involved in all of these terrorist activities.
1: You mean it's better all around for the society there to have a a wall system?
0: Well, it is. And I mean, if you stop and think about it, it, it's protecting the Israelis from terrorists it's protecting the people who live on the Palestinian side of the line from exploitation by terrorist groups. Um, it, it's protecting tourists like us who go to visit Israel. I didn't feel unsafe at any point, even when we were standing, you know the the Egyptian or the uh, the, the Gaza Strip or the West Bank border was literally on the other side of the wall where we were standing. I never felt unsafe. so I, I, I think the whole thing is that it's a it's an integrated national security strategy and what it does is it it winds up protecting everyone and i i think another thing that people don't realize is there's Thousands. There's about 53 to 56,000 Palestinians who cross the border to work every day in Israel. Lawfully, they have work permits. They have a border crossing card, very much the same way that people who live in like Juarez, Mexico, will have a a, a, a border crossing card and authorization to come to the United States and do uh, itinerant work here. A very same situation in Israel, and of course, those people are safer and they're less apt to be exploited by terrorists who are trying to use them as as a weapon in a struggle. It, when we went to the, uh, I think it was called the Kalendia, Q-A-L-A-N-D-I-A checkpoint, which was this big bus station-type operation, uh, one of the things they repeatedly pointed out was that the explosive sensors and the sniffing dogs and all of those things were so effective that People who would have been browbeaten into becoming suicide bombers by the groups on the Palestinian side of the fence just simply don't do it anymore because they know that they're going to get caught. The, the, the chance that they are going to be interdicted by the IDF with uh, weapons or explosives is just so high that they don't even risk it anymore. So it's you know border management, a lot of it is about risk management, and the Israelis appear to have found a way to balance this. And you don't at any point have the impression that you're in a closed off society that is hidden behind walls. Uh, you have the impression that there is a very efficiently run border operation. And everyone we observed working at the borders was very polite and professional. In fact, most of the people we saw working at the borders were fluent in Arabic. And some of them seemed to actually know and have a a, a decent working relationship with the people coming from the Palestinian side of the border. So it's, it's really remarkable when you see it
1: so anything else in closing as far as final lessons or or, um, takeaways from your trip that people should know
0: well yeah i think it simply comes down to the fact that well's work israel's experience has proven it and uh, there's been a lot of controversy recently about the uh, the buoy barrier the maritime barrier in the rio grande um, here and you know a, a lot of it is hyperbolic nonsense but the fact is the Israelis have done that, too. They extended the, uh, the, the border on the Gaza Strip uh, something like 600 meters out into the ocean um, because they had people just swimming around the wall that stopped at the end of the beach. Uh, and that's proven to be really effective. It forces people out into deeper water, and so they don't try and, and get around. And, of course... They back that up the same way that they back everything else up. So the Israeli Navy is watching that part of the uh, of the barrier. So so it was an enlightening experience. Israel is a beautiful country. Uh, the, the population in Israel is very friendly, very open, and very welcoming. Uh, there's a lot of history there, but I have frequently felt unsafe in places like New York City or Philadelphia, which are not actively at war with a foreign enemy. And when we were in Jerusalem, which just over the wall has the Palestinian Authority, which has, you know, on on a number of occasions uh, been in active conflict with Israel, and of course the terrorist groups like the PLO and Fatah and Hamas and all of those are operational there. And I didn't feel unsafe at all. I felt significantly safer than I do walking around D.C. at night most times. Um, So it's, you know, Israelis are kind of less fond of rules and lines and things like that than Americans are but when it comes to the the real meat and potatoes of law and order they appear to have bought into it and they're taking this seriously and I think one of the problems we have here is that there are some people like us in the United States that are taking this seriously but we have a lot of people particularly officials in our government who are not taking border security seriously at all and I think in light of the fact that uh, you know that the The United States Navy just found two sailors who were both immigrants to the United States uh, spying on behalf of China. We maybe need to not just get serious about smugglers and cartels and unlawful migration of people coming from South America in search of jobs. We need to ask, why are there large numbers of Africans and Chinese and people from Iran coming over the southern border. And and I think the answer is we, we, you know, there's a security threat similar to what Israel faces that we need to get serious about in a way that perhaps Donald Trump has been the only person to appreciate uh, as far as past presidents go.
1: Congratulations, you made it to the end of the podcast. If you found this information valuable, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, and share this video with your friends. If you'd like to support this show, go to early.org forward slash podcast. And if you want to learn more about the Immigration Reform Law Institute, go to early.org. You can also hear this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to check us out on social media at Early Law. Thanks a lot.